the task force recognized fairly early that while the Department of Homeland Security was created after 9-11, it often in times of crisis was not the lead agency as it should be. So what we're recommending is an evolution of Department of Homeland Security. We need to take the resources of DHS, the resources that exist in other organizations outside of DHS, and create the National Preparedness Coordination and Response Center and make it permanent. It's an evolution of where we are in society, where we are in our digital transformation. It elevates and it recognizes that supply chains are critical to our economy. Hello everyone, I'm Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA, and thanks for tuning in to the Optimistic Outlook. The core theme of this show is that moments of intense disruption provide us with the greatest opportunity for us to shape the future we want. And I'm not sure if any infrastructure topic illustrates this better than the one we'll address today, which is the state of America's supply chain and our national preparedness. As we face shortages of everything from PPE to semiconductors, it's revealing a need for what I've been calling glocalization. Think about strong local supply chains that ensure we have multiple sources of critical supplies. And here's the big idea. Instead of having a national stockpile of physical supplies that might be needed in case of an emergency, what if we also had a strategic digital twin reserve? Now, I'm gonna leave it to one of our guests, Greg Bowman, to tell us more about the idea today. He's a colleague of mine and serves as Chief Innovation Officer and Vice President of Siemens Government Technologies. You're also gonna hear from Christy Rogers, a leading executive and former senior government official. Christy's now the managing partner and co-founder of the strategy group, Principle to Principle, which recently formed a global supply chain task force comprised of leaders across government, academia, and business including Greg. Take a listen now as they share the task force's recommendations for reinventing national response and reimagining our supply chain. Christy and Greg, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. And Christy, I'd love to start with you. I wanna know more about how this group came together and arrived at its three core recommendations. Bring us inside the process. Yeah, wow. It started early in uh, in COVID, March of 2020. Um, we, principal to principal, uh, were talking with some of our clients who were up to their eyeballs in, in the COVID response. Um, and it was everything from production of PPE, which is personal protective equipment, to other medical equipment and pharmaceuticals. And at the same time, uh, we were having conversations with members of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, namely Chairman Peters and Ranking Member Portman and their staffs. And they were asking us, um, hey, could you survey and talk to your clients about what some of the challenges are? And if there's anything that the United States government could do to help alleviate the challenges, minimize some of the obstacles. So in that, honestly, the task force was born. Um, we got together a group of some of our clients, um, non-clients, uh, and, and talked to a lot of different companies that were experiencing some of the challenges that had expertise uh, in supply chain management uh, and advanced manufacturing. We talked to uh, renowned academic experts. We had one on our team, um, Ravi Anupindi from the University of Michigan, and then Sue Helper from Case Reserve uh, Western University in Ohio. 
And she went on to be selected uh, by President Biden to be the supply chain management expert on the White House Council of Economic Affairs. So rather fortuitous for us. Um, But we went on for a year, literally from May to May, May of this year, um, talking to numerous companies. Uh, We had a a virtual meeting, a Zoom, once a month with members of the the Senate staff, um, with academic experts, folks from the CDC, from FDA, um, I'm going to throw acronyms at you right now, Department of Homeland Security, FEMA, uh, just to find out what was going on, identify the obstacles, and then also, more importantly, come up with solutions to remove the obstacles, both in the short term and then the long term. And we issued a report after all of that hard work, um, which, thank you, by the way, uh, Siemens Government Technology was an incredible member in addition to the team, Greg being the the expert brain. Uh, We issued a report in May. We testified before the Senate Homeland Security Committee on more than one occasion, and we presented to the White House Council of Economic Advisors. So we've been been very lucky with our access, um, but I think the recommendations the committee came up with, the task force came up with, were spot on. And I think in the long run, they will really help not only our preparedness and our response, but also um, to, to really bring our uh, manufacturing base and our supply chains into the 21st century. A fantastic story with lots of great benefits. And, and Greg, let me draw you into the conversation here because the report directly links our national preparedness to the effectiveness of our supply chain. Were we making this kind of connection prior to the pandemic? I know, I know we thought of our supply chain as integral to our economy and, of course, to businesses. And I'm not sure we were as focused on the implications for national response. What, what do you think? I think you're absolutely right, Barbara. The pandemic allowed us to really focus in on a key gap that I think had been ignored by government because they just had so many other things that they were focusing on at the time. The the exciting thing about what Christie was able to do as leading this great task force was to really focus in on and work this critical issue, not just for the short term and doing this all while the pandemic was raging, but also look at it for the long term. As we look at supply chains, you know, we look at national defense every year. Every year, in fact, just uh, recently, the House uh, passed the National Defense Authorization Act. But rarely do we look at preparedness. Rarely do we look at, as a nation, the ability for us to respond to the unpredictable, the unknowable, the unprecedented. And yet, that's exactly what we need to be able to do. And the pandemic really focused us on that. And with Christie's bringing together some of the real major players in industry and government to really sit down and look at what is it that we have, what is it that we need, and how can we get there? One of the things that um, Christie challenged us to do is to really focus beyond the traditional answers to things. Focus beyond preparing for the last war. Let's prepare for what's next. And so as we brought together uh, industries, from Johnson Johnson, 3M, brought together academic minds um, from around the country to really think through some of these challenges and offer not just recommendations, but actionable ways of improving our supply chain, improving our governance, and and improving our preparedness. One of the great things I think that, that we learned from this was that the government can't predict what's gonna happen next. It's just, it's impossible. But today, with the technology that we have, 
with the organization that Christie has recommended for the government to focus upon, we are able to bring together not just a whole of government approach, but a whole of nation approach, where we integrate the government, the academics, the industry, and we come together with a solution empowered by the latest technology to not necessarily predict what's going to happen next, but predict how we will react to it. And being able to have the extraordinarily you know, honed capability of digitalization, for example, coupled with an organization in our government focused solely on preparing for whatever might impact the homeland, really combines to make a never-before-seen capability where, although we won't know what's going to happen next, we'll be ready for it and give our leaders the decision space to react to it in a wholesome, all-of-government, all-of-nation, all-of-industry way. I want to share with both of you that um, you may know this, Greg, very well, but but Christy, perhaps not, that Siemens actually is organized to address the global megatrends that are impacting all of us. One of those megatrends has been globalization. And really recently, we are speaking much more clearly about globalization, the idea that there is a, a global nexus here, right? We have invention going on everywhere. We have a, a, a wonderful trade, uh, thriving trade that's going around the world. But at the same time, we are focused on the ability to actually produce things closer to their point of need. And, and this really places this national priority in the very midst of a global framework. Uh, Christy, I'd love to hear your reflection on that. But let's turn to your first recommendation, which touches on government. You're emphasizing the need to bring together the nation's emergency response capabilities under one roof instead of having the responsibilities distributed across a variety of departments and offices. Give us a deeper look into that. Well, thank you for that. Um, the, the task force rec uh, recognized fairly early that while the Department of Homeland Security was created after 9-11, it often, in times of crises, was not the lead agency as it should be. It was actually the Department of Health and Human Services and an organization called BARDA, which I will not go into the acronym. Uh, and you think, well, you know, it was a pandemic. Maybe that makes sense. Well, you had BARDA and Department of Health and Human Services calling industry, calling companies, asking for things, demanding things, saying, hey, we need this many ventilators, we need this. You also, in the meantime, had the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA starting to call companies, asking for slightly different things, but sometimes the same. And companies were like, wait a minute, we don't understand what's going on and we don't have time to waste. So can somebody please help us? And honestly, that was one of the original calls we got from a member company, a client, 3M. They said, Christy, can you help figure out, do we need to listen to the Department of Homeland Security or do we need to listen to D, you know, HHS, which is first? So what we're recommending is an evolution of Department of Homeland Security. We need to take the resources of DHS, the resources that exist in other organizations outside of DHS, and create the National Preparedness Coordination and Response Center and make it permanent. They have the lead, it's the one-stop shop, and they're the ones calling the shots. Great. Okay, and then, Christy, the second recommendation looks at how the federal government can support a national supply chain strategy. Tell us about it. Our intent was not to create another you know, government agency or bureaucracy, but 
it's an evolution of where we are in society, where we are in our digital transformation. And with the creation of a National Supply Chain Institute inside the Department of Commerce, it elevates and it recognizes that supply chains are critical to our economy. They're critical in the time of crisis. And we really don't have a clue what's going on in our supply chains. We don't have visibility upstream. We don't know where the vulnerabilities are. We actually, in many cases, don't know where a lot of our critical goods are manufactured. And we saw that throughout COVID with ventilators and with masks. So by creating um, a one-stop shop, and that, of co- that is also consolidating a lot of resources that actually do exist inside Department of Commerce, but elevating it, having it coordinate with the Department of Homeland Security on an ongoing basis, mapping our global supply chains, particularly with a priority on our critical goods, and actually working with industry to say, hey, what are, what are the next steps we need to take in, in advanced manufacturing? How do we digitize a lot of our supply chains? How do we help improve the resiliency and the stockpiling of our national strategic stockpile? What types of advanced manufacturing and emerging technology can we use to alleviate a lot of this um, wasted time, energy, and resources and, and stoppage of the delivery of goods, which we're experiencing right now in COVID? So I think, um, I think recognizing that supply chains will continue to be a priority at post-COVID, uh, the National Supply Chain Institute will do that. You know, we're already seeing signs of uh, just the the power of this idea. I am proud to say that Siemens is already working with Department of Commerce and the NEC, uh, looking at the importance of uh, new capabilities in our semiconductor supply chain. We're all looking forward to passage of the CHIPS Act and really believe that the doing simple things like ensuring that there's a, a test house and, and additional chip fabrication production in the United States is really vital to our national security. And already the government agencies are on the move with really broad support from industry. This brings us to what's possible with technology and through transforming U.S. manufacturing. Craig, give us the high level view of the third and final recommendation in the report. Yes, ma'am. And, and thank you for that, because, you know, one of the, the things that we were challenged with as part of the task force is not only to make recommendations to the government, but also to look at what technology can do to alleviate some of those challenges. And as we looked at manufacturing specifically, we saw that the ability to move goods and services around the world can be impacted from a number of factors, whether it's um, something that happens in the Suez Canal, something that happens um, with a particular country that we're relying upon for raw materials. Something happens in the ability of one particular location to manufacture a critical end item. And honestly, you know, we, we read your op-ed, Barbara, that the we were very excited about the ability to look at a strategic national stockpile made of digital twins. And so the ability of the government to take what is there and what is needed in a rapid fashion, rely upon industry and move that digital recipe, that digital twin, that digital thread to the point of need and to a place that can manufacture it was absolutely essential. And it's well within the technology's capability to do that. Moreover, we looked at the workforce. And you know, I know that you know, in recent 
times you've looked at workforce uh, alignment as well in your um, reviews and your podcast. And, and we looked at that too with the, the task force and we focused on the ability to democratize manufacturing. You know, Barbara, I grew up in a very small place. In fact, there's no stoplight in the entire county where I'm from. And we had one factory until we didn't. And I watched as our small town almost evaporated when that factory left. It was a textile mill that moved to China, moved then from China to Vietnam. And now that small town no longer has manufacturing. And that's been replicated around the country where we've seen manufacturing leave um, our nation and the workforce go with it. The exciting thing about the technology now is that we can bring advanced manufacturing, state-of-the-art capabilities, train the workforce on it, and have them produce the products and services and the needs that we have, that the country has, very close to where that point of need is. Even more exciting is the ability to ensure that when something happens, when a crisis occurs, that the federal government or a state government can access the latest and greatest technology. The exciting thing about a strategic digital twin reserve is that it is constantly updated with the latest capability, whether it's a ventilator, whether it's how to make swabs, whether it's how to make uh, syringes, whatever is necessary to ensure that the nation gets what is needed, they use the latest and greatest capability. It's not just putting things on a shelf and hoping one day that you'll be able to use them in a crisis. This is ensuring that you can produce at the time of need the things you need, and it's the latest and greatest technology to do that. So we're very excited about the idea and about driving forward with the ability to move digital recipes, digital tools, digital twins around the world and around the country and ensure that not only are we providing the nation with the ability to get the latest technology, but also helping the workforce improve its capabilities to make that at home. Well, Greg, thanks so much for mentioning the op-ed about the Strategic Digital Twin Reserve, and I'll make sure that we have a link to that in our show notes. But, you know, that was talking about it a year ago. We've come a long way since. What are you able to share with our listeners about the work you're doing in that field? Yes, ma'am. We are very, very excited about this. You know, Siemens has begun work on the ability to move these digital twins around the world in, an, in essence, a digital twin exchange. And the exciting thing about this, it allows for um, original equipment manufacturers, it allows for IP owners, it allows for engineers and others who have a good idea to produce that, create a digital twin, and then move it to a producer, to a distributor, to even an end user to make that product when they need it. And more exciting as we look at this is the ability to innovate. The most exciting thing about um, the digital manufacturing, digital engineering explosion that has occurred in manufacturing recently is that it allows for those who didn't really have access to the latest technology to now have access to it, use it, and develop new exciting products, new exciting ways of doing things, new exciting ways of helping folks around the world simply by accessing these tools and then shipping those to a producer, a manufacturer, even a small 3D printing shop to produce those and get them to the people who need them. So what it's really done is allowed for mine around the world, no matter where they are, to be able to participate in global change and global challenges. 
So we're very excited about this as we move forward. And I think we're going to see great things from digital twins and digital twins exchanges in the future. Well, I'm really looking forward to talking about that further with you. I'm sure we'll be bringing this back in a future show. But but let me close with this. Christy, I, I really want to think about this optimistic outlook. You clearly are turning an idea into action. And talk to us about if we're able to move these priorities forward, paint a picture for us of what it does for our future. Well, thank you for asking that question. Um, Because one of the things that we said, uh, and I think Greg hinted to this, at the outset of embarking on this task force, we didn't wanna just create a report that sat on people's desks. We wanted our recommendations to be actionable, to be immediately actionable, and to actually have an impact. So we spent a lot of time thinking about that. And what does that mean? That means, let's say, all of our recommendations are implemented, which is fairly optimistic. Um, But I think they are realistic enough that they can be. That means that we are actually going to focus on preparedness. We are going to make the necessary changes to have resilient supply chains. We will map our supply chains, identify the vulnerabilities before a crisis happens and address them. We will integrate emerging technology into our supply chains, into our manufacturing base that will enable, yes, more efficiencies and more resiliency, but actually more importantly, it will dramatically strengthen our economic security and our national security. And when we integrate emerging technologies into uh, the supply chains and manufacturing, that will necessitate upskilling or reskilling the workforce. As Greg said, we did look at that. As part of introducing or adopting our recommendations, it will be necessary to upskill and reskill the workforce. And what that means is that means there are going to be more job opportunities greater opportunities, greater opportunities to build wealth, and that just helps families in the economy. And I know this sounds all very pie in the sky, but honestly, it's not. We are known for our innovation, right? America's known for its innovation, its ingenuity, and we just need to tap the innovation and the ingenuity around the world, continue to do so, remove the obstacles that currently exist. And in order to move forward on this, in order to digitize our supply chains, as Greg said, it's going to require both the public sector, the U.S. government and the private sector. And they really are going to have to roll up their sleeves to do it. But I know we can. And I do think it's imperative uh, as we move forward. I mean, we've got this great global competition going on and we don't want to come in second. So it's necessary for our economic and national security. And I'm hopeful for it. Well, so am I. Christy and Greg, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for the opportunity, Barbara. It's excellent. And thank you for your leadership. Thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You know, we face unforeseen threats coming at us faster than ever before. But we also have new technology that can help us stay ahead of the threats. We have an opportunity now to transform America's infrastructure and to work together across sectors so that national responses to shocks and stress actually spark new innovations that strengthen our society. Make sure you go now to our show notes to find the report that Christy and Greg talked about and more. And thank you as always for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or to the Siemens YouTube channel. 
And for show notes and more, go to Siemens.com optimist.